0: The following audio is via a Skype call. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody.
1: I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell.
0: We are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour of a Saturday at holiday time. Good times all around, we hope. And of course, who would we pick for our department store? Santa, but the man who likes to be known as the dude, Mike Roberts. He's got his sack. He's just getting off the sleigh in time to do this show with us. How you doing there, Santa?
1: Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, sorry, I'm all booked up this year. Uh, maybe maybe try a 2080 or something like that, uh, in the year 2080.
0: 20? Okay. If, it, if it's 2080, you'll be coming to me when I'm trying to sleep, and you'll be dragging chains. Baby. Oh, you can, you can count on it. <laughs> the dude's ghost. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it, it's good to be nearing Christmas, nearing Kwanzaa, nearing Hanukkah, nearing the New Year, all those good times. All that energy. It's wonderful.
1: And, and for Michael, that would be Festivus, a holiday for the rest of us.
0: <laughs> Which we have a good authority from our Friday guy, bad boy Benny Mathers at the board. So that's Mike. He would be your Festivus guy. <laughs> they know you well, Mike.
1: They do. No surprises on my end.
0: <laughs> oh, very good. Today we are fortunate to have one of our fan favorites as we like to say, a yes. listener favorite, yeah. a perennial favorite, yep. Yep. and a good friend of ours. Mary yep. Lee LeBay is joining us. I don't know if Holiday Talk is going to sneak its way in or come down the you chimney. Never know. We'll find out, but we're delighted that Mary Lee LeBay has joined us in the studio and here you are with mad props to read. You can read the whole nine yards. Uh, You know
1: what? I'm going to keep it very brief because I want to get to our conversation with her. Let's do it now. So all I'm going to tell you about Mary Leela Bay, Ph.D. She's the author of five books on hypnotherapy, past life regression, self-hypnosis, strategies of personal philosophy, and relationships. Her book, Hypnotherapy, A Client-Centered Approach, and Exploring Past Lives, Your Soul's Quest for Consciousness are are two of the biggies. She has served on the board of directors for the local chapters of National Guild of Hypnotists and Washington Hypnosis Association. We are happy to have her for the 11th time on Manson Mitchell. I looked this up, this important information. We've been, uh, this is our 13th year on air. And she has now come on in double digits for time number 11. So we are very happy to have her in studio and with us today, Mary Lee LeBay. How are you doing today, Mary Lee? Oh, great. And good morning,
2: uh, Gary and Suzanne. I had no idea it was 11 times. <laughs> That's
1: great. That's a lot of times. That's an Our awesome con- number, too. Very magical. It is. It is. And we always have such great conversations with you, and we talked a little bit about the kinds of things that we want to discuss today, and they are all intriguing, interesting, and exciting for me. And oh, I'm really good. glad that you are in studio so that we can tackle some of these consciousness ideas and, uh, and where you stand with the whole thing. So are you all ready for Christmas? I am. I don't do much for
2: Christmas. I'm not like a lot of people. We don't decorate. Well, mainly because we're going to be traveling over the holidays this year, but uh, we keep it pretty low key. So I'm always ready for Christmas.
1: (laughs) I I try to simplify and we've been doing less and less each year. For example, we have no live tree this year, Mm -hmm. Um, but we did do something different. I got new gutters put on. And Good. so we kind of strung some lights outside around the gutters, and we we look pretty festive from the outside. Oh, that's fun. The, yeah, and on on the inside a big point plant, one of those really big Costco plants. So we got a, a couple things going on, but we also are keeping it rather low key. the uh, The mess to take it out and the mess to put it back has just become too much over the years. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: Mary Lee, since we're on this subject, I've got a little story to share. But when it comes to your Christmases, of your childhood, was there a special Christmas morning? Anything that would be good in a Christmas story, something fit for a movie, perhaps?
2: Yes, actually, that's interesting you ask. My father was really clever, very artistic and um, creative. And one year, and I probably was maybe five or so, so it was, you know, Christmas was a big deal. And um, Christmas Eve, we had our dinner. What we would do on Christmas Eve is, you know, open a few presents and have dinner with relatives. And then Christmas morning, Santa would come and we'd have more gifts. So it was always a fun thing. So we had our dinner and we opened a few presents. And then um, the relatives were leaving And as they left, on the front porch was this huge box that was all wrapped and it said it was from Santa. So everybody went back inside and we opened the first box and it was to my brother and he had a gift. And then inside that box was another box and that box was for me. And so then I had another gift, you know, I had a gift to open. And inside my box was another smaller box for my mother. And um, it was a diamond ring for her, Ooh, and nice. and but each package had a a poem, you know. So there was a poem that was written to my brother, and then a poem that was written to my myself, and then a poem to my mother. So I mean, it was something that we talked about forever, and we kept all the little cards with the poems and. Um, It was just that that was the Christmas of my life, I think, except for when we were doing it for my kids. But for me as a child, that was just so fun.
0: I was talking to a red headed lady, an employee of the Tulalip Casino. Many years ago, Suzanne and I dropped in there. We enjoyed the buffet. We liked to play Keno when they had the live Keno set up. You don't lose your money so fast playing (laughs) Keno. Fun. (laughs) And a couple of times we won money so i'm sitting there and i'm chatting with the lady at the desk and i asked her how her christmas was going i think it was like a day or two after christmas one year that we were even there and she said you think redheads have a reputation for being hot under the collar there which i hadn't brought up as a subject but i said (laughs) okay i'll bite yes all right. (laughs) right i understand that's a stereotype she said well if you want to hear about a hot redhead I had my kids, and I think she had three of them at the time. This was many years ago, and I was still a young mother. And she said Christmas morning, she had spent money. She had shopped for these kids. She tried to provide them with the best Christmas she could as a single mother. And these three kids got their presents, and while they liked what they got— they liked what each other got even better.
2: Oh, no. <laughs> and before long,
0: they are squabbling. And I went to no, what, get your hands up. No, that's mine. Stop. Mom. Right. And they're all doing this for 15 minutes solid, carrying on like that. And she blew her stack because she had gone out of her way to prepare a beautiful Christmas for these ingrateful. Or, <laughs> any, little brats. So the little ingrate brats. So, um, uh, and that, that actually set her off. It was this ungrateful attitude there and fighting on Christmas morning. That just put her over the edge. So she took all of this. She gathered all of the presents. She told, Mom, Mom, what are you doing? Mom, don't. She went out to the backyard. She dug a little ditch. She dumped all of the presents into this makeshift ditch. Oh, no. And she set them on fire. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And I, I just thought, wow! I have to give you points for style. Wow, you know that was incredible. But they had worked her last nerve on Christmas morning, and she decided to be proactive—a right. proactive
2: single mom. Oh my goodness! Oh now wow! Now there's
1: a Christmas to remember. Yeah, that belongs in a movie. <laughs> and they and they all told their psychiatrists uh, later in life. I was just going right. to say they're all
2: still in therapy. <laughs> So, and
0: I think everybody, if not a story exactly like that one, they remember this or that particular Christmas. And I'm the kind of guy where it doesn't take too much. I don't ask for, you know, the biggest Mac in the Apple store for Christmas. Good thing, Suzanne. I, I'm, you know, I'm easy to please. You police. wouldn't get it anyway. I wouldn't but That's right. Ahead. And knowing this in advance, <laughs> I make sure I'm easy to please. But what I have found is if somebody gives me a gift that I know was bought by somebody else and given to me with their name on a card so that it appears and it's not a very good resemblance or facsimile there that this person gave me a gift when they didn't even know what it was in the box.
2: Oh my goodness. I've
0: had that happen before within our family and I thought, wow, as my mom would say, that's chintzy. And I I just thought, you know, you kind of have to put all of this in perspective because if you had no gifts at all, But if you were feeling the holiday spirit and you had someone in your life that you really loved, as I have had 18 years and going strong with Suzanne Mitchell, there's nothing that can substitute for that. And so it's important keep this in perspective because we're well past the time when anybody could de-merchandise Christmas, to de-commercialize the Christmas spirit and the experience of the holidays. So I figure what I need to do is to consciously make the most and the best of it and just not worry so much about the materialism for a change.
2: Mm -hmm. Right. Well, what we've done with our children, of course, uh, my husband and I, our children are um, all adults now, but What we prefer is to have experiences together rather than gifts. Nobody needs more stuff, at least at our age. And so it's dinners out or if, you know, my son lives in another state, so it's a plane ticket to visit or something like that where there's a memory that's going to be uh, built up between us instead um, instead of just another thing sitting around.
0: I'm, I'm glad we talked about I this. Am I, too. I am, I feel better. Oh, do yeah. you? <laughs> You've Yes, I don't larses. know what your hourly <laughs> rate is, but I feel <laughs> like that, that was cathartic for me. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh bill my is goodness. in the mail, Gary. <laughs> the bill
2: in the mail. <laughs> no, yeah, <all> right. <laughs> M- Suzanne, to... Wait a minute. Suzanne, yeah. I'm just trying to remember, did we ever do the past life regression I pa- I promised you?
1: No. Oh, my gosh. However, I, yes and no. No, okay. we didn't do it live. Oh. We have a CD about past life right. regression. Okay. And I did a past life using your CD. And I, I absolutely know that it was true and real because even today, sitting here right now, years later, I can see every single detail of that past life. And it was, it was excellent. And I used the CD. I said, next time I see you in person, we, we will do that. And then our schedule got crazy and we didn't, but you know, that's still, that's still uh, on the, on the horizon.
2: Yes. And I also do sessions over zoom. So um, we can always do that at a distance as well. But at I would love to do that with you. Yeah, because, you know, we're yeah. going to go for number 12 on this, you know, on the interviews yeah. and we'll have to have a, a live past life to, you know, a session <laughs> to talk about.
1: <laughs> well, and, you know, that's one of the things I'm really interested in, although the first thing that I want to tell you actually started yesterday. Gary and I interviewed Dr. Bernie Siegel, uh, author of uh, Love, Medicine, and Miracles from the 1980s, and he's still going strong. And one of the things that he talked about was a near-death experience that he had Mm -hmm. where his soul left his body, and he met his spirit guide, Mm -hmm. whose name was George. Uh Uh-huh. And, and I don't think he met the spirit guide in the near-death experience, but later he met this man in a past-life regression, in a hypnotherapy session.
2: Oh. He
1: met his spirit guide named George. And we didn't get into it yesterday, but we have already told the story before how Gary and I met our gatekeepers, a, a, one of each of our spirit guides, When we went to Lilydale in New York and went into a workshop where we were relaxed and with a huge group of people, 30 or 40 people, and using a dousing rod, we were to come up with the name of our spirit guide, our gatekeeper, and going through every single person in the room, uh, almost everybody in the room got the name correct according to the dowsing rod. I was actually just one letter off, mm. but, uh, but it was interesting to go through that. And so when one of the things that we were talking about uh, today was going to be spirit guides, I thought it's really interesting that Dr. Siegel yesterday talked about having met his spirit guide and much much later somebody drew a picture of it a, a medium who saw Dr. Siegel's spirit guide drew it and then said there was there was a spirit standing with you while you were talking and I drew it and I wanted to show it to you and and Dr. Bernie Siegel looked at it and said oh that's George oh. <laughs> George was there so he kn- he knew what What George even looked like. I don't know what my spirit guide looks like, and I've heard that we each have more than one, but I wanted you to talk a little bit about spirit guides um, for yourself. I mean, do you have, do you know who they all are? Is there one? Is there more than one? Do you have names? Talk a little bit about yours, and then we'll kind of get into that. Well, I mean, it's a huge
2: topic, first of all, but um, so as far as their appearance, well, for for mine, I've had several over time. So even in this lifetime, I've had spirit guides who have come and gone. I have one that has stuck around for a little bit longer. But as you grow and change, your needs will change and your spirit guides would likely change. Um, just like as you learn and grow in life, your teachers may change or the people that you hang out with or or go to for therapy or wisdom or whatever or for help. And so um, so they have changed over my lifetime. Various uh, guides have been there. I used to do spirit guide drawings. I haven't really done too much of it for the last decade or so. I've gotten a little rusty, but I have a whole collection of drawings that I've done on um, my guides and guides of people around me and so that was kind of fun Um, but when we talk about the appearance of guides remember that most spirit guides have incarnated many times and oftentimes the guides that are around us have been with us in many different lifetimes and so your spirit guide may come to you um, and project a certain appearance So the way that they're projecting their appearance and then the way that you're interpreting that vision or that thought pattern, because they don't actually have a physical body in the spiritual world or in the astral where they would reside, Um, it's more of how how you remember them or how you're interpreting their energetic field. So, for instance, I had a spirit guide that was helping me for a, a period of time. She was more of temporary, a temporary period, but she would come to me in four different forms, depending on what she and I would be working on or discussing. So she was, she was actually between incarnations, so she was getting ready to incarnate again, <clears throat> which, of course, limited her time with me as a spirit guide. Um, but she had been my mother in a lifetime, a very wise and wonderful, magical mother um, many you know centuries ago. And so she would come to me at times when I needed a mother or that kind of advice or um, that more witchy wisdom <laughs> of a woman. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. She would come to me in that form and I would see her looking a lot like... Um, how I remembered my mother in that other lifetime. And then in another period of life, or another lifetime, uh, she had been a knight and I was in court. So I knew her as a man, a warrior. And so when we would be talking strategy or how, you know, protections and different things like that, she would come to me looking like this knight. And so but I knew it was the same guide as the one that looked like my mother. And then she looked like how she looked in this most recent incarnation because I had a picture of her cuz she was a friend of a friend. So um I knew what she looked like and sometimes she would just come to me looking like her and then she would also practice being a baby cuz she knew she was going to incarnate soon. So at times she would come and she would be in the form of a baby. So (laughs) when we're looking at our spirit guides, we have to remember that there are just a lot of forms and that would be natural. For instance, you've had an infinite number of incarnations and so have I. So let's say that I die and I decide I'm going to go visit Suzanne and maybe hang around and be her guide for a little period of time, maybe help her through a certain thing or or a lesson or something. So it would be typical that when I'd show up, if you could see me, you'd think, oh, my gosh, there's Mary Lee. She's my spirit guide. She's, you know, she's come to me after death to to hang out with me. But if we're both cognizant of many other lifetimes, I might... um, Uh, might appear to you to be that other incarnation or if I think oh you know if I go and help Suzanne and I come as Mary Lee she's going to think ah that's just Mary Lee you know I want somebody you know more awesome and (laughs) and and magical then maybe I would um, come to you from uh, appearing when I was I used I was a druid in some lifetimes and so maybe I would come to you and project this awesome male druid, powerful being that is true for my energetic field. But then you look and you say, wow, I've got this amazing druid as a, a spirit guide. And, and maybe for you then that adds credence to the advice that I would give you or the wisdom or, or the lessons I set up for you. So it can be, it, there's so much to this topic,
1: um, and there's oh, so many there is. variables. Yeah, I'm, There are so many threads, and one in particular that, that interests me is, like, in, in this dimension, there, most of the time, you know, I'm pretty independent, and so I figure out what I want to do, and I go do it. Mm-hmm. it. There are times, of course, where you need help, Mm -hmm. And so I'll say, you know, Gary, would you carry this in for me? Or I'll call a girlfriend and say, I'm kind of struggling with what to say here to somebody. Mm -hmm. Or I'll talk to my brother and say, let me let me lay out this scenario for you. And so there are times when I can do things on my own. And then there are times when I need other people's help, either physical, mental, emotional, spiritual you know, I need help from other people here. Right. I don't think about that very often from the spirit world. It's like, I know somebody's watching over me, several somebodies, and they're doing whatever it is they're doing. Um, you know, my parents are on the other side, maybe they check in from time to time. But I don't think about asking. Mm-hmm. And during this week, Earlier in the week, I all of a sudden said to myself, and I don't know where the thought came from, they're not going to help unless I ask for it. Uh I don't have people here interfering until I ask, you know, Gary, could you move this for me? Or, you know, my brother, can you help me with this? They're always willing and say so yes. You,
2: so you're saying that Gary doesn't just get up and say, <laughs> you know what, I think I need to move this. <laughs> Actually, he does that
1: too. He does also. Good. But I wanted I you thought, to have
2: the opportunity yeah. to explain that too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I thought, you know, I, I need to connect more by asking for something, because that does two things, Mary Lee. One is, that i I could actually get the help that I need. Sure. And the other is, I can prove to myself that there is another dimension and other um, energies who who are standing by. And so earlier this week, I asked for two very specific things. And I was, i I think for the most part, I was doing it quietly in prayer. But then when I knew I was alone for a moment, I actually asked out loud and said, these are the two things I need help with. And I have to tell you, Mary Lee, that there was a shift that occurred in a brief period of time where those two things I was getting answers to. Isn't that cool? And it wasn't from anybody on this side. Yeah. it was from the bodies the, not the bodies but the energies from the other side and i don't think about that very often that to ask for help not only from people here but from people over there right so when you're coaching people and talking people do you tell them you know to talk to their spirit guides to ask for help to you know get information from another realm? Is that something that you do with people when you're
2: working with them? Sure. And one of the things that came to mind when you were talking was, I talked to my guide one time, and um, something had come up. I don't remember the specifics. And I said, well, why didn't you just take care of that for me, (laughs) princess that I am, right? Why didn't you just, um, you know, tell me or, or fix that, or, you know, open some opportunity or whatever. I said, why didn't you just do that? And he said, you know, we, it's not our life to live. And if we don't have specific, um, in, let's call it instructions from your, um, I- you know, then we're not going to move ahead for you. We need to know that that's the decision that you've made. And, um, and I it was for me, a real uh, learning opportunity and as to how to interact with guides. Um, I just figured they were looking over me and if something came up, they would just kind of, you know, brush it o- you know or, or smooth it over or whatever. And that's not really their job. My spirit guides, their job seems to be making the hardest lessons for me so that I can um, move along faster, I guess. but uh, for them, it's there's a, there's a couple things. One is they would have to be there would have to be a distinct decision on the part of the person that you know this is what I want because if they see it if they read it as um, wavering that I want that but I don't want that for instance you know, maybe you want to lose weight, but you really don't want to be thin because it might draw too much attention or, you know, I mean, we always have those secondary gains, right? So they're not going to make the decision for you. They're going to wait until you've made that decision. And then therefore there is a request. Um, so that request would be good. But the other thing I think that we need to keep in in um, our mind is they are not our servants. They they are with us because they are getting something out of it, whether it's, you know, out of love, like a mother might help their child just because they are their child, Um, or um, maybe in the case of a spirit guide, you know, there could be the love, but there also could be uh, a symbiotic relationship of, you know, we're both here to save the environment. So, they, they may uh, be available to create opportunities or move energy to help you, but you're on the physical able to vote or go up out and pick up trash or separate your garbage. You can be on the physical doing work that they can't do. So there's a trade between you, an energetic trade. And so with my guides, I always try to figure out how can I be of service to them as well as expecting them to do something for me. I don't want to just be a spoiled person, you know, expecting them to be my servant. Well,
1: that's a good point. Yes, that does make sense. I remember in the movie, Michael, with John Travolta, Uh there's there's a point in time when one of the other characters was talking to him about being an angel And he said, uh, and they said something like, oh, like you help people find parking spaces, that kind of thing. And and they were, you know, like giving him the business. And he said, hey, I don't make fun of what other angels do. And so, you know, when we're when we're asking for things, you know, we we learn in religious science that uh, in, in the in the world of the divine, there is no big or small. You know, you might need a parking spot. Maybe that's what you want. Maybe you want something uh, bigger for you. It doesn't mean that it's bigger for the universe. It's mm-hmm. it's all the same. Whether it's it's a parking space or a million dollars or whatever it is, it it is in the in the universe. Getting the thing that you're trying to get is just another day at the office. You know, you're the yeah, one that mm-hmm. has to you know mentally wrap your mind around the fact that you can get that. And, and when you develop a muscle like always getting a good spot or always having something good happen in your life that, um, that you can count on regularly, it then it kind of gives you the, the confidence to expand that and, and, and go out and try to do it in another area. And, you know, yeah, I mean, it's a good test.
2: What I do, what I do, though, is I, you know, I like to get my parking spots, too. But I'll when I when I'm driving somewhere, I'll say, okay, if it's in my best interest, I'd like to have a really great parking spot. (laughs) Right. But that parking spot might be further away, because in my best interest, I need a little more exercise, or maybe if I parked right up front, my car was going to get hit or banged up, and therefore the parking spot is a little further away or in a different place um, because that is in my best interest. Or because I parked over here, I'm going to run into a person that I really wanted to meet or see, um, and that would be in my best interest, even though that would not have been the parking spot I would have chosen. So. Um, I, I always put that caveat. It, it, if it's in my best interest, you know, or get me the best spot for my best interest. If, please, <laughs> please, and I'll try to be good and do something for you, too, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, it's like oh. a, like a friendship, you know, treat it like a friendship. You don't want to hang around with somebody that's just always taking energy from you and and, you know, asking you to do things here, help me move here, help me carry my grocery here, help me do this, but never offering back, right? Um, or or providing back. And so treat it like a friendship. Uh, be a, they will be a lot happier to help you out. And part of it, um, getting those better and better spirit guides, the more advanced spirit guides, sometimes it's just a matter of, I liken it to being, let's say, a college professor, and you might have some students in the room who are just really lazy and they skip out on class and they don't really care. They still want an A, but they don't want to do the work. And then you have that student who is just working so hard and coming into the office and asking questions and kind of doing extra work. Which of those students is the professor going to favor or give extra attention to? It's going to be that student that's really, you know, really working, working on that subject and in that class. And so if you're a person who's really working on your spiritual growth and on whatever it is that you do that is attracting that spirit guide, they're going to be a lot more interested in you.
0: I like that. I had never heard it put that way before. I haven't
1: either. Very yeah. good.
0: And always remember to say please and thank you. That's the that's <laughs> yeah. the gospel according to Captain Kangaroo. There you there go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. We need to take a break, Mary Lee. So let's go ahead and allow ourselves a couple of minutes to move the economy forward. When we come back, we are Manson Mitchell. We'll still be Manson Mitchell, and Mary Lee LeBay will still be the lovely Mary Lee, and we will talk some more about holiday spirit and how that diffuses through the rest of the year if we're willing to allow it. So let's go ahead and take our break. Mike, we will be right back. The preceding audio
1: was via a Skype call.
0: The holiday gift-giving season is now in the stretch drive. It's high time to fuel the open road dreams of special people in your life with a subscription to American Road magazine. With exciting features, quality writing, and beautiful photography in every issue, American Road makes a perfect gift for road-tripping moms and dads, gallivanting grandparents, adventurous aunts and uncles. Maybe that special friend will enjoy it, too. Visit AmericanRoadMagazine.com. That's AmericanRoadMagazine.com. Click subscribe, and for a limited time, you can enter the code KKNW to receive 25% off your subscription. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150.
1: The following audio is via a Skype call. (laughs) She staggered out the door into the snow. All right. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Mary Lee LeBay. Mary Lee, if people would like to connect with you, I know you have a website and social media and all that good stuff. And on top of that, I also would like you to talk about a very special thing that you are doing in February because it is not too soon for people to be planning 2020, and you've got something pretty extraordinary coming up in February. So please talk about all of that. How can people find you, and what do you have going on here in a couple months?
2: Well, they can find me on my website, which is my name. So Mary Lee Labay, dot com. And uh, the February event that you're talking about is a four-day training, or about three-and-a-half-day training, and it's called Spiritual Exploration, and we are going to cover soul retrieval, spirit guide communication, sacred journeys, and we're going to talk about entities and aliens, Um, more of an overview and uh, kind of an in-depth overview about that. But um, it is a professional training, so not only are they going to learn about the topics and practice them and experience these techniques, but they're going to learn how to apply the techniques so that they can do it for other people. So the class is um, heavily populated, typically, with mental health counselors, hypnotherapists, coaches, Um, massage therapists, you know, people who, who, um, holistic healers, people who are working with other people, Um, uh, naturopaths, acupuncturists, we have, you know, a wide variety. But you don't have to have that background if you simply want to learn the techniques and experience these things. Oh, so it's February, I'm sorry, February, (coughs) February 20 through 23. So it starts at four o'clock on Thursday, and it goes through two o'clock on Sunday. So Thursday night, all day Friday and Saturday, and then uh, Sunday morning
1: till two in the afternoon. Excellent. Well, thank you for mentioning that. Um, When you're mentioning uh, aliens and entities, I heard yesterday from someone, and it kind of made sense to me, that uh, angels may be entities if angels never had human form and so they may show up in kind of a uh, you know little thing with wings on them or or however we picture angels but uh, it's it's that angelic realm which is putting themselves into the type of form that we can understand or accept but they may not have ever had a human body. Have you heard that before?
2: Well, um, yeah, I mean, I think the terminology is different. When you talk about an entity, the definition of an entity is an individual. So in in reality, we are all entities. Um, but when we use the term entity for the astral or for spirit um, spirits, then, all of them are typically entities, and then you can break that down into categories because, you know, under that umbrella term of entities would be angels and demons and fairies and every other kind of creature. Any other kind of individual, whether it's humanoid or other kind of creature, would be an entity. So that's how I use the term. So when we talk about entities in that class we're actually going to learn about all the different classifications and categories and their attributes and how they function and um, how long they last if they incarnate or don't incarnate um, that sort of thing. We're going to get into details about what all these different entities are and aliens are entities um, because they are also conscious beings. But we call them aliens because we, you know, because they're from a different planet or
1: different time space. Right, right. Could be just different time space, not even a different planet, just a different uh, realm of origination. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, I went to your website, MaryLeeLeBay.com. We looked under spiritual exploration and and there I read through Gary and I both read through uh, what you're doing in February, which sounds really intriguing. And there was one thing in particular that Gary said, Oh, I want to ask her about that.
0: Why, thank you, Suzanne, for setting that up. (laughs)
2: Hi, Gary. What do you want to know?
0: (laughs) Well, I thought I would like to hear about the distinction that you draw between philosophy, which as a subject is a rather large umbrella, and a particular phrase that I associate with you, sense of life. Uh Do you contrast philosophy of whatever stripe with a sense of life, which seems to me to be more intimate, Mm -hmm. more involved with the individual personality?
2: So philosophy is um, a rationally chosen uh, way of thinking about life, right? Um, And we can kind of talk more about philosophy. And then sense of life is our emotional response to that. So it's our habits, our emotions, our, you know, our knee-jerk reactions. It's how I feel about the, my experiences in life. And then philosophy is how do I think about it? And what am I going to choose for myself? So the topic of philosophy actually has five branches. I'll just talk about that briefly because it's, it's a little bit of an in-depth topic. But metaphysics is the first branch of philosophy, and it answers the question, what is real? Or what is, yeah, what is real? So While in the new age, we use the term metaphysics to maybe define or or um, label anything that is beyond the physical or something that's spiritual. It is in reality just um, the study of reality itself. Um, So metaphysics is the study of reality. Then um, metaphysics. Oh, then um, ethics is the second branch. And that's our morality for ourselves. It's our value systems. It's what's important to us, um, and it answers the question: How am I going to behave based on my knowledge? I'm sorry, I, I did that wrong. The second branch is epistemology. Epistemology is how do we know it? So metaphysics: What is reality? Epistemology: How do we know that? So it's the research. It's the the feedback. It's, um, you know, how do we know that something is real? And that one is skipped over a lot, unfortunately, in the spiritual, uh, you know, in the sense of life and in spirituality, it's skipped over because we think something's real and we just carry on from there without really doing the feedback and the research. Um, Number three is ethics. So based on those two, um, metaphysics and epistemology, how am I going to behave? What are my values? And then um, politics is the fourth branch of philosophy, you know, based on reality, how do I know it, and my values and morality? Then how am I going to treat other people, the environment, anything that is outside of me? That would be politics. And then the fifth branch is aesthetics how do I express? my philosophy. So it's, you know, we see it through music, art, um, uh, drama, uh, theater, any kind of art, ballet, dance, uh, in our expression of our philosophy. And so all of that is rationally chosen and understood, you know, logically thought out, where the sense of life is um, our emotional response to that. And it's, it's the, the difference between those oftentimes that brings a person in for therapy because there is a disconnect. Um, you know, maybe my parents love me, but I don't feel like they do. And so, you know, I mean, that's just a simple uh, example. And there's uh, the examples go on and on Um Uh, but those are a lot of the disconnect between those two sides or the dysfunction on the sense of life. But we can have dysfunction on the philosophy side too. (laughs) So does that help you, you Gary?
0: It does. We have dysfunction. We also have lots of disagreements because everybody's entitled to their point of view, which itself is subject to change over time.
2: Right. And our point of view can be very much influenced by our sense of life. But then, you know, we, we, we kind, kind of, I don't know, we put that aside, but then we argue, we try to argue philosophy or let's say politics. Um, we try to, you know, maybe convince each other that what I, my view is correct, but we're both coming also being influenced by the colored lens of our sense of life.
1: Well, I I'm I'm really thinking about what it is that you're saying. And, <laughs> is that too um, complex? <laughs> uh, it's a lot. It's, I mean, I teach deep. it. Yes, yeah, I teach yeah, it in my classes. There.
2: Yeah, we have more time to really get into it in the class.
1: One of the things that I've brought up uh, several times on the radio, and in fact, I did it recently, was you know when you get up in the morning, you know, asking yourself, "Is life for me or is life against me?" I mean, there's a there's a particular lens that we uh, live our lives through. We're right. either constantly fighting for survival, fighting for our own being, or we're trusting that life is always looking out for us and and is working for our good. Right. And and so I'm not sure where that falls. That sense of life. With
2: That That is sense of life. Mm -hmm. Okay, Our perspective Uh, of that, because there are people who say, you know, nothing will ever go right for me. And, you know, have that perspective or the, um, you know, the cup is always half empty. It has that perspective. And a person living right next to them or having almost the same experience might say everything goes well for me, you know, or a lot of things go well for me and the cup is half full. And it's well, funny because I woke up this morning with this idea of, <coughs> of what I'm going instig- to instigate this in my life now is, um, in the, oh, excuse me, <coughs> in the morning asking myself, how can I make this the best day of my life? And I thought, oh, I want to start doing that. I, I just came to me, I, I'm sure my spirit guide probably uh, talked to me about that in the astral last night, but, I, but that's what I woke up with is trying to make each day the best day of my life mm. it's going to mm. be hard to match that first that that early christmas event you know when you're a kid and you're opening right. presents right but every day could have at least a little portion of it or at least i can strive to arrange my day so that there are those those um peak moments why not
1: you know to me it sounds hugely ambitious mary lee oh. <laughs> and i like the fact that you're connected in that way to this life where you can say you know how could this be my best life my i'm best a day. doer yeah. person and and so i' I'm, I'm saying you know what can i get done today that will move my life forward okay that would be so, the same thing so, yeah. It would be, except that I like yours better. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you can come on board. <laughs> you can I, take I, mine. But when I look at that, I say, "Oh no, I couldn't do that because somehow my best day, I, in my mind, I'm thinking that would be like all fun all day long. That that wouldn't be like work and getting things done. But and maybe um, maybe it,
2: getting things done makes it a a really good day for you because that's so satisfying. So it could be really productive. I'm like that. I'm a very productive person. I go right to productivity. So that can be part of the really good day. But then, I mean, getting out and playing is something I'm short of also. So, you know, adding that in. Like today, I woke up and I thought, this is an awesome day. I get to be on the radio with Gary and Suzanne. I'm leaving here and going to lunch with a dear old friend that we've been friends for 20 years I'm so excited and I thought how does life get better than this <laughs> right It's yes. it, you know it's productive I'm still gonna go home and you know do a lot of things for my business I'm um, working on knitting projects now so I'm gonna move that forward um, and I'm gonna have dinner with my
1: husband this is a great day. I get the feeling that sense of love life is has a great deal to do with your perspective on life. Yes. You've used the word perspective a couple of times. Yes. So um when you see the good life, you're experiencing the good life. The philosophy seems more left-brained, think thinking about yes, life is. as opposed to experiencing life. Exactly. It
2: is. There is a a difference there. And like um, our values uh, are on the philosophy side and it it should be a rationally chosen, you know, and that's one of the things I do with all of my clients is we set up their value system because where those are at odds with our sense of life. In other words, if I say, I want to focus on my spirituality. I want to meditate. I want to eat well. I want to be healthy. I want to be fit. And yet in my real life, you know, in my day to day life, well, I don't really have time to meditate. I'm not going to go to the gym today and it won't matter if I eat pie for breakfast, you know, and then there's that. You know, probably some guilt, (laughs) you know, or some, there's going to be a bit of stress and it's going to be, you know, over time, a little dysfunctional in my life when my true values are one thing and the way I'm behaving is different. That would be called a sin. That's the definition of a sin is when you know better and you choose to do wrong that's a sin. If you didn't know and you didn't have a value system, which, you know, I guess maybe that's the excuse for a lot of people is if I don't make my value system, then I'm never um, at odds or out of integrity. But if we want to have integrity to that, um, you know, we look for that when I'm working with clients, we look for those, um, where that is out of order. And then we figure out why, where's the secondary gain? Why would I be making those choices even though what I say I want is different? You know, That's self-sabotage. How to, and, then, and then find that resolution and, and get people back on track for living their best life. And then it becomes easy to have every day be the best day because you're living according to your values. And you're, you know, yes. you're having that integrity and not at odds with yourself.
1: Well I, I really like what you said there because you're really identifying a lot of people's stress as being that disconnect. It is. The disconnection yeah. between your perspective on life and what you think about it. Mm-hmm. So you're thinking one thing, you're you're seeing and doing something else and then you're causing your own stressed by the fact that you, you're not, um, those things are out of alignment. They're not whole, as you said, integrity. There's no integrity because right. they're not put together. And they're, you're not
2: getting not- your own true needs met or maybe not fulfilling your own purpose. Um, you know what I mean? And and so, yeah, yeah then it's, um, you know, then you start to see it overeating and doing drugs and alcohol and, Being angry and uh, having dysfunctional relationships and having resentment and, um, you know, um, passive aggressive behaviors. And you see all of this stuff start to happen. But, you know, this is what this is what I do in my private practices. We start sorting all this out so that every day can at least have a chance of being your best day. I mean, it's another yeah.
1: great conversation, Mary Lee. Thank you so much for coming in studio and coming on air with us today. Oh, my I want to wish you a wonderful holiday season. You as well. Give wow. our best to Dr. Scott.
2: I and, will do that. You guys safe have travels. Have fun. Oh, thank yeah. you. Thank you. I um, hope hope your holidays are amazing and magical. I like that. Back at you. <laughs> All right. Thank you.
0: Suzanne, who's up next? Jupiter rising. Again? Every Every week,
1: every Saturday.
0: That is some good listening. Everybody, we hope that you're definitely in the holiday mood. Next weekend, we're going to have songs, Christmas songs, and we hope that you will enjoy those. We're working on them already. Thanks again for another great job, Mike. Everybody, have yourselves a great weekend, and stay tuned whenever possible to AM 1150, Seattle's home of alternative talk. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.